Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Praise the Lord. And so, God is good. Well, if you have your Bible tonight, why don't you go ahead and just kind of get it ready. And uh, we'll maybe have you turn to a couple different places if we can. But uh, one, again, just to kind of give you a review. We've been talking just for the last few weeks, and I believe this is going to be the last of what we uh, continue with or uh, the last of what we're talking about this in this uh, Wednesday night series. But if you remember, we spent a couple weeks just talking about the goodness of God and the heart of God concerning His heart to increase us and bless us. Because if you don't understand the heart of God, you'll never have the faith to approach God or ask God and believe to receive. You know, from the standpoint of my little children, you know, they don't ever have any qualms to come and ask me for anything. They just come and ask and know that they're going to get what they ask for. In fact, my, my oldest daughter, um, she, when was it? I think it was just this past week or a few weeks ago. Um, we talked about doing something and she goes, well, dad, I got some money. And I says, you do? She goes, yeah. She goes, you can use my money if you want to. And so she brings this bag of quarters. I mean, it's just like many dollars of quarters in this bag. And, and I said, where did you get that from? And she says, well, my lunch money, I think. And I'm like, really? I'm like, well, we don't really ever give you that much lunch money. You know, you've been saving it. And kind of thinking, I'm trying to put the math together, thinking even if she saved it, I mean, that's a lot of quarters, you know. It's just a lot of money there. And so I just happened to go downstairs where our bedroom is, and I have a little spot where I throw all my spare change. Well, uh, a lot of my spare change was gone. And so I came back up and I looked at her. I said, now, you're not in trouble. I said, I just want to know. I said, did you get that money from dad's little change drawer? And she smiles real big. She goes, yeah. (laughs) And my point is this, is that she didn't have any problem whatsoever going and just digging in and just taking to her heart's content. Because she just, well, what's dad's is mine and what's mine is mine and therefore it's mine. (laughs) She She just went and got it. Yes, he learned from mom, I guess. And so <clears throat> my point is, is that if we understand how good God is and how much he loves us, how much he wants to do for us, we won't have difficulty seeing him as a God that wants to pour into our lives and bless us. And therefore, upon seeing that, then we started to look over into the areas by which God set up systems or his kingdom, if you will, as to how he works the system and gets the increase to us. If you remember... In John chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The things that he's speaking of earlier in the chapter, he talks about all the natural things that we have need of. What you wear, what you eat, what you're going to live in. He says, God knows that you have need of those things. He says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Well, when we're talking about God increasing us, We've got to begin to connect the dots because it's not just random by which God is talking about finances or increasing or taking care of our sufficiency of life. It gets very specific. So therefore, if we're talking specifics, then we can begin to look in God's word and connect the dots specifically. And so therefore, he said this, he says, the kingdom of God is like this. 
it is likened unto the principle of sowing and reaping. And so therefore, when it comes to the kingdom of God, he says, it's likened unto, or the way that I operate in the kingdom of God is through the principle or the system of sowing and reaping. And righteousness is not my righteousness with God or seeking my righteousness with God. I, <clears throat> I already am righteous. Rightness means, or righteousness means rightness with God or the right way of doing things or God's system. So connecting the dots, sowing and reaping is one of the ways in which God increases me. And then he also said this. He said, there is a principle, if you will, of the kingdom or rightness with me or my system. And he says over in Malachi chapter uh, chapter 3, he says, I'm the Lord your God, I change not. And he said, I'm going to talk to you about something specifically. And he says, I want to talk to you about tithing and giving of offerings. He said, because... There has been a curse that's operating in your life. And it's because you've chose to withhold this principle or this oracle or this thing that I've instructed you to do. And so we begin to connect the dots. And so therefore, God says there are principles and there's a system of the kingdom. And it's through giving and receiving through the tithe. And we said that the tithe prepares the ground for the seed to be sown into, right? And so when we begin to look at that, I want to begin to just pick back up. And you can look there if you want to over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll get there in just a moment. But for the sake of just kind of catching you up or uh, uh, getting you up to speed, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible says that Paul was ministering to the church of Corinth. And he said concerning these individuals, the Bible says, and it's written out, but it says that they had great trials or they were in the middle of great trials. They had great afflictions. Now, has anybody gone through trials or afflictions in their life? Every other day, huh? <laughs> I mean, we just go through stuff. So it's just common to man. But the Bible says that they were going through great trials, through great afflictions. But then something switches. Because most of us that go through trials and situations, we get all bummed out. We boo-hoo, feel sorry for ourselves, and have a little pity party for the next three days. But the Bible says that they got happy. They stirred up joy on the inside, even though they were in the middle of trial and affliction. And then it says that they had great financial challenges. Has anybody ever had a financial challenge before? Sure we have. And then you get the double whammy because you're having the middle, you're in the midst of a great trial, you're in the midst of affliction, and now you have great financial challenges. whoop de doo God, thank you so much. Praise the Lord, right? But it says they got happy, and in the midst of them having great financial distress, the Bible says that they gave generously. It doesn't make sense, but apparently God is wanting to get to our attention that our giving has something to do about moving the hand of God. When you look at the story of the prophet of God concerning, uh, if you remember the story with the woman uh, and her, her son, and they didn't have much to eat. They had some cornmeal. They had some oil, and she was just getting ready to die. And the prophet came, and he says, uh, God sent me because uh, you have something uh, to supply a need for me. And she goes, well, all I have is a little bit. We're going to make a cake, and we're going to die. He says, well, why don't you give to me first? Have you ever noticed that you've got to put something in God's hand for him to work with in order for him to begin to move on your behalf? Many times we're complaining to God, crying to God, and God says, well, what are you giving me to work with? It always requires us to give something. And did you ever notice that what it requires is it requires you to go against the grain of your flesh? Many of you said, ah, I'm tired, I worked all day today, and I really don't want to go to church tonight, but you came here, right? Why? Because you pushed through your flesh. 
There's times when you say, you know what? I just don't feel like having a smile on my face, but I'm going to choose to be happy. I don't, it don't seem like it's a real good time to give right now, but I'm going to choose to give. It doesn't seem like a real good time to pray, but I'm going to pray. You've got to give God something. And I'm telling you what, there's things in our lives that God is just getting ready and wanting to take us to the next level. Next level of ministry, next levels of successes, next level of increase in every which area of our life. But there's a requirement that is going to require us to step beyond or step through some pull of our flesh or our natural man. Right? You know what I'm talking about. God is asking, and there's a stirring on the inside of you, whether it's going to the next place in God. There's a hunger on the inside of you. For that matter, I don't know if you've heard this story before, if I've used this uh, uh, example with you, but there was a man that saved up his money for a real long time, and he always had this dream to go on a cruise. And so he scrimped, and he saved, and he saved, and he saved, And he finally got enough money, got his ticket, and he went on a cruise. And every night he would be walking the corridors and he would look into the dining room. And he'd see all these people just feasting and just going to the buffet table. And it was so grand and so beautiful, fruit and just everything. And he's like, wow, that looks so good. But he prepared because all he had money-wise was enough to get on the cruise. So he brought with him crackers and some peanut butter and so he would eat his peanut butter and crackers as he's looking in the cabinet looking at all the people eating the great feast finally the last night of his cruise one of the stewards came by and says i've seen you looking in the windows night after night he says don't you want to go in there and he says i don't have enough money he says all i had was enough money to get the cruise he says sir he said all of the food was included with the cost of the ticket. And God is doing that with many of us. He's saying, you're feeling the stir. You're feeling the pull. You're hungry. You're looking and you're saying, I want that. But it's just going to require you to step in. It might require you to step beyond some religious thinking. It might require you to step beyond some of the things that the flesh says, well, you know, I'd rather watch TV right now, but I'm going to have to purpose to spend time with God. Or it might require me to do something that I'm not accustomed to, but it's all positioning us for the next step or the next place with God. Amen. And so God is always looking for us to step out in faith. It doesn't make sense to give when you're in great financial despair. It doesn't make sense To give generously. In fact, the Bible goes on to tell us that they gave beyond their capability. Or they gave to their hurt. And we see in chapter 9 that they were prosperous. They were increasing. And where they were giving out of poverty, they are now giving out of provision or prosperity. God advanced them or took them to the next place. And so... One of the things that Brother Hagin had always taught us in school, which, I, I, again, has been one of those things that has just stuck with me. He said, first of all, he said when it came to financial uh, miracles in his life or to seeing God move tremendously in the area of finances, he said it came on the back end of spending quality or uh, substantial time in prayer, praying in the Spirit. And he said, in fact, one time he said that he was praying. He prayed in, in the spirit for an hour. And he said when he got done praying in the spirit, he said the devil came and said, well, a lot of good that did. You just prayed and, and, and what good did it do you? He said you just wasted an hour with the time. 
And he said, well, for that, Mr. Devil, he said, I'm going to pray for another hour. So he prayed for a second hour, just praying in other tongues. And he said, the devil says, well, you got done to the end of that second hour. And he said, a lot of good that did. He just wasted another hour. He said, well, for that, Mr. Devil, he said, I'm going to pray another hour. I think he did that for three or four hours. And he just says, I'm going to pray until you shut up. He said, when he did that, there was a breakthrough. He said, I hit a gusher. And he said, upon spending time pressing in, he said, I had a, one of the greatest financial breakthroughs in my life. And he said, this is what God spoke to him about. He says, number one, he says, stop praying about money the way that you've been praying. He said, what do you mean? He said, because you keep praying as though the money's in heaven. He said, the money is not in heaven. He says, I'm not a counterfeiter. He said, I can't make money and send it down to you. He said, I can't wire it down from heaven. He says, what you have need of or the money that you have need of is not in heaven. It's in the earth, and I'm not the one keeping you from it. He said, hmm. He said, well, then how do I get it to move into my life? He said, well, stop praying the way that you've been praying for. He says, pray this way. He says, number one, he says, claim the money. Claim how much you have need of. And for many of us in our religious thinking, we think that that's a bad thing. Well, God, you know what I have need of. I, I, you know, And you know better than I, so I don't want to ask too big or I don't want to ask too much. or God, so you know. But in Matthew, it says you have not because you ask not. And so therefore, he says, claim the money that you need. Many times they're saying, God, how come you're not moving in my life? I have a need. And God says, well, how much do you need? He wants you to get specific. Why does he want you to get specific concerning the amount that you need? Because he wants you to use your faith. If you're not claiming anything or standing in faith for anything specific, that's exactly what you'll get. Nothing in specific. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Young E. Cho. He's, he pastors the largest church in the world over in South Korea. And he said he was praying to the Lord about a bike one time. He says, God, I need a bike. This was early in his ministry. And he said, God, I'm praying for a bike. He says, and it don't seem as though you're answering my prayers. And finally, God says, well, what kind of bike do you want? He says, well, I didn't know I needed to tell you. I just needed a bike. So he prayed about a specific bike. And he said, God still wasn't answering his prayer. He said, God, I'm, I'm still not getting the answer. He says, well, what color bike do you want? He said, oh, well, and then he told him the color. Well, once he got specific, the bike came. What do you have need of? Your giving of your tithe and your offering, your giving, sowing of seed. But are we claiming or naming the seed? And once again, we think, well, that's a bad thing. You, oh, yeah, that name it, claim it group. No, the Bible says that Abraham called those things to be not as though they were just like Father God did. God, I'm claiming X amount of dollars. For instance, we've got the building up on the market. Well, if we just sit by and say, well, hopefully the new buyers will come. Well, that's just a hoping and wishing. And if hoping and wishing was, what I say, nuts and I don't know what is it would have a Merry Christmas. I don't know. I can't even remember the say. But anyways, the point is this, is that hoping and wishing don't do anything. But if we'll appropriate our faith and say, God, we thank you that we have renovated this building. We've prepared it for the next buyers. We've got it situated and positioned just for them, just the way that they're going to like it. And so God, send them forth now in Jesus' name. Then we've got something to put our faith on. Secondly, this is what the Lord said to Brother Hagin. He said, secondly, after you claim what you have need of, secondly, he says, tell the devil to take his hands off your, your money. Did you realize that the devil is trying to keep the church broke? 
He's trying to keep you broke. He's trying to keep you just barely getting by because when the church has need or when God has a need of a project for you to get behind and you begin to look at what you don't have, then you begin to respond saying, well, God, I don't have enough, therefore I can't give. Or I can't support. No, God wants you to take your position of authority. And the devil's trying to keep you in a position of lack so that you can't even begin to think beyond where you're at to be a support or supply to the kingdom of God. So he says, tell the devil, take your hands off of my money. Amen. Now, that's not just money that you're claiming, but that's also the things in which you have already. Maybe your income. Because you realize, let's just say, for instance, I know dad back there, he's retired. And so he has a pension coming in. Well, so therefore he budgets according to the pension. The fixed amount of money coming in. Well, do you know that the devil will will try to spend that money beyond what he has? He will. Well, let me just uh, mess with this. That costs a little bit extra money. That breaks down or that needs repair or, or there's some medical or health issues. Devil, you take off your take your hands off my money, my pension, my retirement. You take your hand off that. You take your hands off my stuff. You, you'll you'll not cause it to break down, but in fact, it will have long life and it will satisfy me. You tell the devil to take your hand, take his hands off of what belongs to you. And then, thirdly, he said this. He says, "Tell the ministering angels to go and bring the money in." The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we that are children of God that are heirs of salvation, the Bible says that all of us have ministering agents. What does that mean? It means that they're there to do work for us. Put them on assignment. Send them forth. God, bring in the money. Bring in the money. In fact, I was uh, just in the conferences this past week, uh, or actually two weeks ago, and one of the guest ministers that was there, he said that his prayer was for the longest time in the early years of his ministry, God, send us the broken, send us the hurting, send us the distressed, God, send us those people. And he said that was our prayer for a a lot of years. He said we had so many hurting, distressed people, we were just beyond ourselves, stressed out, and could not meet the needs of the people. We got exactly what we prayed for. He said, I changed that prayer quick. He said, God, send us winners. Send us people. Send us people that have the capability to help lead. And he said, it changed. Well, the same thing is applicable when it comes to God. Send forth those ministering angels to bring in the right people. To bring in the finances. Bring in the givers. We need people or we desire to be here to minister to the lost, to minister to those that are hurting. But if we don't have the revenue, we don't have the increase, we don't have the leadership, we don't have the ability, what good does it do? Amen? There's a pastor that has just started a church just a little over a year ago in, in this area. And I just saw on Facebook today, he just said, hey guys, he said, I just need your, your help and just need prayers. He said... Uh, it has been real tough. He said the last two weeks has just been unbearable with our church. And he said it's starting to take a toll. Well, that just broke my heart. Now, concerning that individual, he was kind of a snothead at one particular time. And so, you know, there's part of me that's like, yeah, yeah, you know. But my heart broke for the guy. And so I just sent him a nice little message. Say, hey, man, I'm here for you. Anything we can do to help you. Why? Because the enemy is looking to tear down ministries and churches that will cripple the ability to promote the gospel and help people. Well, one of the reasons why he's struggling, I can guarantee, is for the lack of help and the lack of money. 
because you can't move beyond the natural realm of this world. We live above and beyond that in faith, but this natural world has a system by which it operates. And so we've got to have some substance to help promote the gospel. Amen? And then the last thing that Brother Hagin said, he said this. He says, don't talk lack anymore. He said, always say, the money will come. The money will come. The money will come. It's real easy to say, well, there is no money. It's real easy. Well, how are we ever going to do that? The money will come. Well, how are you ever going to get into a new building? The money will come. Well, how are you going to get new staff? The money will come. How are you going to do Well, the money will come. It's not my job to try to figure it out. If God said it, that settles it. Do you remember with Abraham? Remember we read this a couple of weeks back that we have a better covenant with better promises. And it's established upon the, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Remember that in Galatians chapter 3.13? But if you remember according to that covenant that God made with him, part of it was as God says, I want you to go make sacrifice. And Abraham said, okay. And he says, what do you want me to sacrifice? He says, I want you to sacrifice your son. And the Bible says that Abraham, Abraham responded in faith and says, okay. Because I know what God promised I know the covenant that he made with me. So therefore, God will provide or he will raise my son from the dead. One of two things. And so he went in faith knowing, God, you're faithful to your promise. Got to the place where he bound his son and was ready to strike his son dead. And the Bible said that an angel of the Lord came and says, no, you've proven yourself faithful. And at that moment, the Bible says that there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. The ram was on the way. He was on the other side of the mountain coming as Abraham was going up. But we oftentimes will never see the provision or the hand of God until we put something in God's hand through the act of faith. And so therefore, many times our words are what are holding us back. God, we will not lack the money. The money will always come. We'll always have what we need when you tell us what to do. Amen? Now, that's applicable to your life. What are you going through? What are you feeling? What's the pressures of life? Begin to operate in faith. Those four things. Amen. Now, when it comes to money, this isn't one of those things that is enjoyable to say or enjoyable to hear. But there's always a faith test. There's always a test of faith. And so for that, we could say there is always a money test. God is always going to test you. He tests you in part by saying, will you be faithful with the tithe? Remember over in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8.18, he said, God gives us wealth to get wealth. And so he says, I'm giving you my tithe. Will you be faithful with it? Test number one. Well, God, this is my money. No, 10% of it's mine. What are you going to do with it? If you can't pass that test, you cannot have faith to ask God for anything else. If you can't even trust him with what is yours or what it was, is his, don't think you can ask him in faith for anything else. Now, uh, what kind of car do you have? Cobalt? See, I was tickled about this tonight because, see... Matt, he's got an older van, and so I was so excited to be able to come to church tonight 
and give Matt a new car so that he could have his van kind of put to rest with all the miles that he has. And so I, I'm excited to tell you that I'm going to give you his car. I'm telling you, I, I was, I mean, I was just so excited. I mean, I could barely contain myself all day long because I couldn't wait to get to this point in the service to tell you I was giving you a new car and I'm going to give you his car. Woo, come on. Now, Kyle's like, yeah. Well, I know that's a silly example, but my point is, is that I can get real excited to give something that belongs to somebody else. And it's not real hard for me to give what belongs to somebody else, right? Because it's not mine. I'm going to give you his. Well, the tithe already belongs to God. So the only reason why we have a hard time giving the tithe is that we have taken it from God and said, oh, that's mine. But if it's his and we recognize that it's his, it's not hard to give him something that already belongs to him because it was never mine in the first place. And so once again, there's always a money test that is going to be required of us to be able to trust God or to ask God. Now, when it comes to our giving, there is the tithe and then there is the giving. Remember, the Bible says this, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he gives sparingly, he will reap what? Sparingly. If he gives bountifully, he will reap bountifully. Did you notice that there is not a generous or kind of a halfway generous giver? He says you're either a sparing giver or a generous giver. There's no in-between. You're almost generous. You're kind of generous. He says you're either a sparing giver or a generous giver. If you are a sparing giver, if you only purpose to give a little, you cannot expect a money miracle. Right? It's impossible. You say, well, God is able. Yeah, God is able. But again, the scripture says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you give sparingly, you cannot expect to reap bountifully. It's biblically principally based, whatever, how, uh, that's not the right way to say it, but it's impossible. Now, what is the difference or what is it that signifies generous or sparing giver? It is not the amount or the dollar amount. Because my generous might be different than your generous. You might be saying, all I have is $50. And for you, that could be giving the world. In fact, if you remember, Jesus was in the temple. And we think it's not about the money. You know, and you probably have heard pastors or preachers say, you know, God's not about the money. Listen, I am telling you, he is about the money. He is. Because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he's about the money. And he's checking up on where you're spending your money. Because it identifies your heart. If you remember the woman, the widow, with the might, she came into the temple and gave her offering. And the Bible says that when she gave, he stopped everything. And recognized her giving. There are people that were coming in and giving every 
or all day long rather, and as they were giving, the Bible does not record that Jesus said a thing about anybody else that was giving anything. But this widow came in and gave a might, a very simple, small thing, but it was her livelihood. And Jesus says, whoa, did you see that? Stop. And for the last 2,000 years, it's been recorded of this woman's giving. For eternity. The Bible says that, that the word of God will be established forever in heaven. So forever through eternity, we're still going to be talking about that wood, widow with her might. And how she gave. It wasn't the size. It was the size of her faith. She gave all. And Jesus says, that moves me. And so when you say, well, if you give small, you can't believe for a big money miracle. It might be putting in a quarter, and that quarter is huge for where you're at. There can be huge faith attached to a small amount of money, but releasing your faith, it was big. And God meets you where your faith is at. Are you tracking with me tonight? And so Paul said this. He says, I'm teaching you, and he says, I'm teaching you, and, and, and you've given into my life. And I am living a life in, in, in them full. He says, but I'm teaching you this so that you might have fruit that abounds to your account. It's interesting that Paul used those words. Because every time that you purpose to give, God makes record of it in your account. There's a heavenly account that is being added to. When you give of your offering, it multiplies. Now, I know none of you have ever been in this situation before, but you know those people that have been in line ahead of you, right? They've been, they've been driving through the ATM machine, and they're in the car ahead of you, and they punch in their numbers, and it kicks out a receipt. And they look at the receipt, and they're like, they throw it down. So they punch in another number, and it kicks out a receipt, and they wad that up again, and they punch in it again. What they're doing, the, the first ticket says you don't have enough money. So they put in a lesser amount. Kicks out another ticket and says, you still don't have enough money. Finally, they didn't squawk the tires and drive off. They never had enough money in the account. And therefore, they were never able to make a withdrawal. Well, we go to God thinking, well, God, I'm wanting to put a demand on you. I'm wanting to make a withdrawal from the account. And God says, you've never made a deposit. You've never made an investment. You've never given anything. And God says... That your giving is as a seed, and seed always multiplies. Amen. I've had different ones in Proverbs chapter, is it 19, I believe? Many times people say, well, I have a hard time giving to church. But man, I'm so moved by that person on the corner. Oh, I just, I'm just moved with compassion. And so you give them $10. And it's so much easier for me to help somebody in need than to give to the church. And Proverbs, in fact, I got it in my notes here. Let me see if I can find it. Proverbs 19, verse 17. The Bible says, if you give to the poor, God will repay. Giving to the poor is not giving into the kingdom of God. Giving to the poor is charity. And there's nothing wrong with charity, and there's nothing wrong with helping somebody. But understand, there is a difference in giving to charity... And sowing seed. Seed always multiplies. Giving to charity. God says the best you can expect or have faith for. Is that it be that it's to be repaid. 
So I would rather sow seed and promote the kingdom of God than simply give to charity, even though charity is good. Are you following me? And so if my offering or my giving is seed, then I want to know the best soil to plant my seed into. Do you know that farmers plant seeds strategically? They don't just, in fact, I could say it this way, farmers sow, they don't throw. Right? In fact, the farmer behind me, he just bought this parcel of property behind me, and it hadn't been tilled, it hadn't been farmed for a few years. And so because nothing had been done with it, I started mowing some of the grass, and, you know, my yard started getting bigger. It's like, wow, it's multiplying, you know? Well, then this guy came by, and he started tilling up the soil. Well, then he started to tell me what he was planning on doing. He wanted to farm organically. But in order to farm organically, he had to prepare the soil. And it was going to take two or three years to get the soil ready because of everything else that had been done. And so he would cultivate the seed or cultivate the ground. He would turn it over. He would plant seed. And then the seed would would germinate and grow, whether it's corn or whatever it was. And then he just plowed that down again. Now it's ready this year for him to actually plant and get a harvest out of it. But what is he doing? He's not just going out there with everything built up, everything, all the weeds and all the stuff grown up so tall and the ground so hard, and just go out there and start spreading seed and think, well, let's, let's wish and hope that we get a good crop this year. No, he prepares the soil to take the seed. Your tithing prepares the soil. But once again, that farmer is strategic, right? He knows exactly what, how, and where to plant his seed. So as a believer, if God calls our giving as sowing seed, then we ought to be very knowledgeable as to where we plant our seed. Where is the first and foremost place that we ought to sow or plant or give of offering? Well, the Bible says this, where you receive of spiritual things, give of your natural things. So where do you grow spiritually the most? In your local church. So the number one place, obviously, that you bring your tithe is the church, the local church. Secondly, the best place to invest or sow seed and get a return or multiplication is the local church. Now, it's okay. It, now, we have ministers that we support. There's ministers that, that, are, uh, that pour into our lives that are uh, spiritual mentors and fathers in the faith, if you will. And we invest in them. But we always purpose to give to the local church first. So if you're going to have the proper protocol, if you will, you plant or sow seed where you're growing and maturing first of all. And as you begin to increase there, then you can begin to expand your crop sowing. Amen. Investing into this one, into that one. And once you begin to do that, God says he'll return or multiply and you can begin to expand it. Amen. Because once again, that's how God works in the kingdom of God. Amen? So therefore, we're purposing to find the best soil. And lastly, let me just share this with you. In regards to you being a giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. The Amplified says this. It says, remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly find that interesting have you ever 
hurt somebody or ran into that person, we're like, man, God never does anything for me. Man, God is always blessing them, but I never got any kind of thing like that. Well, why? Are they receiving? Or maybe they even got blessed. Well, I got a blessing, but I sure wasn't not that big. You know, somebody else always gets bigger blessings than me. Well, what are they doing? They've sowed or gave grudgingly. And even as they start receiving or reaping, they're reaping grudgingly. And then it goes on to say, and he who sows generously, that blessing may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessing. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposes in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowful or uh, under compulsion, for God loves. Now listen, when it comes to your giving, God says that he loves something. God loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. He loves. He's unwilling to do without. He's looking for the cheerful, prompt-to-do-it, full of joy kind of giver that says, I can't wait to give. I can't wait to do some farming. I can't wait to promote the kingdom of God. And God says, man, I, I'll, do, I'll do without a lot of things, but I won't do without that. In fact, I'm looking for who's going to be the one that's a generous giver. And then it goes on to say that God is able to make all grace and every favor, earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always under all circumstances and whenever the need be, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnishing in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God loves a cheerful, prompt to do it. One translation says, hilarious giver. My, my, my. What if we were able to cultivate such an attitude? Now, once again, understand that as we purpose to grow in faith, say, God, give me a money ministry. Come on, think about that. I know that, again, just even saying it probably messes with some of your religious funny bones. Money ministry, what in the world is that? What if you just said, God, use me to promote the kingdom of God. God, if somebody's going to be prompt to do it, let it be me. If somebody's going to be a cheerful giver, let it be me. If somebody's going to be a generous giver, let it be me. And God says, ha ha. Well, then I can just get more to you because the more I get to you, I can get it through you. Amen. Well, my income's fixed. No, 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 no. A a, a farmer doesn't go plant a a field and said, well, I fixed my field. I just planted 27 acres. And all I can expect is 27 acres worth of seed. It don't work that way. It multiplies. Amen. It increases. I can't remember what the numbers are. But one kernel of corn. Multiple thousands. Or hundreds. I can't remember what it is. One kernel of corn. Multiple. Multiple multiplications. And God said this. As long as the earth remains. 
seed time and harvest will remain. It's a biblical principle. And the kicker is, as he says, seed, time, and harvest. Sometimes there's a waiting process, but the waiting is the walk of faith. But if you faint not, in due season, the season that is harvest time, you will reap. Amen. Come on, let's stand. Amen. I'm going to pray. I always have you stand up before I have you get ready for your offering. Well, I'll have you stand up. I'll pray. And then you can sit back down, get your offering ready, and then Jordan will play us out. Amen. Pretty soon you're not going to have to hand off that little guy. He'll just come up with you and join you on the drums or something, you know. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I just, I so pray and so desire that this understanding, really this revelation of your word and of your character and of of your desire for us to help us live beyond just the natural means of life. To live beyond just what our job produces or provides for us. But understanding that you said you give us wealth to gain wealth. And it always starts with a little but you take what we put in your hand and you multiply it. God, I pray that we would just have such a hunger and a desire for more of you that we would, first of all, invest our lives in you. That we would be so filled and flooded with light, with your very personality on the inside of us, so hungry for who you are, And to know you and to see your face. And as we seek you, God, we would seek your heart. Seek your heart for people and the lost for this city. And that, God, you would use us to promote the gospel. And so, God, I ask you right now that you would use us as a conduit. For the great end day harvest. That you would pour into our lives, that we would have all sufficiency in all things, and that it would abound to every good work. Not lacking in any area of our lives, but a full measure. In Jesus' name. So we thank you for it now. And we bless these offerings that we're about to take. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. They'll come by and take up your offering. You might have to do a couple laps since they didn't have real time to get it ready, but amen. Amen, amen. Don't forget we have church this Sunday morning, 1030. Also, just keep in mind, we have Reverend Marty Blackwelder. He's going to be joining us in October. Uh, If you know who Marty Blackwelder is, he was the worship leader for Brother Hagen, and so he'll be joining us uh, in October, and then also Reverend Mark Hankins, he'll be with us uh, August 3rd, that's a Wednesday night I believe it is, and so that's just a few short weeks away, we're going to be getting ready for him to come in and have a great time, amen, amen, well hey listen, you have just a couple days of the rest of this week, so we just call you blessed, call you having a wonderful week.
and just healthy and whole coming back on Sunday morning. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you next time. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.